The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand on his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We cannot do this anymore. We can't. Seriously, it is time we stop. We cannot go on year after year calling him Doubting Thomas, the poor fellow. Who else in the Bible is nicknamed after his weakest moment? Is King David nicknamed Murderous David, or seducing David? No. Is Peter nicknamed denying Peter? Is Judas nicknamed betraying Judas? No. Indeed, most biblical characters trade up regarding their names. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. But then there's Thomas. And what Thomas does is far less devastating than Judas' betrayal or Peter's denial. Nonetheless, 
He gets walloped with a nickname that sticks. After the scene in this morning's gospel, wherein Thomas merely expresses his reluctance in grasping the reality of the resurrection of Jesus, he is branded Doubting Thomas. But it is time we stop. It's time we let Thomas off the hook for real. If I think back carefully over my life, there is no shortage of weak moments that you could easily have branded me for. For example, I was a child of the 80s, and if you look through my old yearbooks, you could easily call me Spiral Perm Sarah. If you knew me in junior high and detected my fear of public speaking, you could have called me shy, Sarah. If you scroll back even further into my elementary years when money was scarce at home and my wardrobe consisted of hand-me-downs from my cousins, you could have easily called me shabby, Sarah. And these are but the superficial nicknames that you could easily have selected to describe me, not to mention my highly questionable choices in other realms of my life, which we will not discuss here. (laughs) But the nickname Doubting Thomas goes much deeper than just a bad hairstyle or a bad outfit. To call Thomas Doubting Thomas is to cast judgment on his soul to make a claim that he is inferior to the others who are without doubt, to scapegoat him as the only one who struggles with Easter, while the others fully and completely accept all of the unbelievable and extraordinary things that have just happened. But Thomas doesn't fully and completely get it. He struggles, and he's brave enough to confess his doubt, and history brands him for it. To call Thomas Doubting Thomas is to forever condemn him. But let's remember who's in that room with him. A room full of disciples who are stubborn and argumentative and conflicted and afraid and weak and confused. They are people just like you and me. Sometimes they are magnificent. Other times they are absurd, dense and even comical, when they should confess, they deny. When they should stay, they run away. When they should go out into the world, they lock themselves up into a room. They are no better than Thomas. Neither are we. So why then do we love to blame Thomas? Is it because he's so bizarre that we just cannot comprehend him? Do we judge Thomas because he's so weird Or do we blame him because he reminds us so very much of ourselves? But even that is not so extraordinary. It's almost as if this Sunday after Easter can go one of two very predictable ways. One, Thomas doubts. Don't be like him. Or two, like Thomas, we also have doubts. Don't be like him. Whichever the case... We still have trouble fully accepting doubt as a part of this Easter story. We want it gone, and we want Easter to be neat and tidy. And yet, here it is, doubt. 
It's the first post-Easter story that we get to preach on. There's no avoiding it either. It comes up every single year, the first Sunday after Easter, which is interesting in that while most readings rotate in and out of our annual lectionaries, this one doesn't. Thomas comes up every year. But lucky for most senior pastors, the first Sunday after Easter is also known as Associate Pastor Sunday. So most senior pastors never really have to deal with Thomas, (laughs) who is also called the twin. Did you notice that in the gospel reading? Thomas also called the twin. Whose twin? Matthew's or Philip's? We don't know. The Bible is unclear. But while we call him doubting Thomas, the scripture does not. The Bible calls him Thomas the twin. Now that's interesting as far as nicknames go. There might be something there. It was not too long ago, within the last two or three years, when my middle son, Jacob, really fully discovered that the three boys are not triplets. While they are certainly close in age, they are 17 and 15 months apart, they are not triplets. But it was Jacob who was shocked to discover this relatively recently, even after I said to him, hey, you know... You're in different grades, right? You understand that. He said, yeah, but I always thought that was because Christian is so smart that he's ahead, and I'm average, and I'm in the middle, and Philip's an idiot, so he's in a lower grade. (laughs) Which he said right in front of Philip, causing instant outrage, of course, and a fight to the death wrestling match on my living room floor. And as I watched them, without intervening, of course, I thought, my God, he really honestly thought that they were triplets, which is why... They fight like they do, not because they're so different from one another, but because they are more alike than even they themselves can comprehend. And isn't that true, that we fight and we struggle with those most like ourselves? So then, perhaps Thomas's twin is not somewhere out there, but perhaps Thomas's twin is rather somewhere in here. Perhaps we are so eager to nail Thomas to the cross and leave him there, Because as our twin, he reveals something very uncomfortable about our own selves, that we too at times have doubts about this resurrection stuff, that we too wonder if Easter changes anything, and we too sometimes fail to see the connection between Easter and our daily lives that are still touched by cancer, and our parents still divorce, and we still don't have enough money, and politics are still depressing, and our loved ones still die, even in these post-Easter days. Maybe, in true Lutheran form, Thomas is the sinner, and we are the twin saint. Or maybe, Thomas is the saint, and we are the twin sinner. Or maybe... We're twins and both saints and sinners at the same time. I think that's accurate. Ones who reach into the tomb fully expecting to touch a cold, dead body, but still hoping against hope that we find nothing. And when we find nothing in the tomb and realize that Jesus isn't dead but is still alive, we're so quick to move from joy to fear that maybe... If this resurrection story is true, that it certainly doesn't include us. 
that we somehow must be left out of this miracle, that we believe Jesus died and rose for others, but certainly not for me. We condemn Thomas, our twin, because deep down we don't believe we deserve to be let off the hook for who we've been any more than he does. So we are both paralyzed by doubt, we twins. When Doug and I were dating, he was still living in California. You can ask him the number of times I doubted him when he said, I love you, despite his continual assurance. You can even ask him about a particularly frustrating conversation after which he literally banged his head against the wall. It's not that I didn't want to believe him, it's that I couldn't. And there's a difference. Thomas wants to believe. He just can't for some reason. Oftentimes, we want to believe and can't. But is there really such a big difference between wanting to believe and believing? I often wonder how many times God bangs God's head against the wall, waiting for us to come around and to finally grasp this love that has been waiting the whole time. So there it is then, that this story isn't so much about Thomas then, after all. It's not even really so much about us, but it is about God who eternally waits for the human heart to reach out and grasp this love that has been waiting there the whole time. It's about the slow and often unintentional conversion of the human heart. It's about hope fluttering its wings for the first time. It's about a reluctant peek into an empty tomb, the hesitant unlocking of the door of that fear-filled room. It's about that shaky exhale that follows an inhale, the realization that perhaps Easter is a thing, that maybe Jesus did live and die and rise again, that maybe he did these things for you and for me, not because of what I've done or not done or who you've been or who you haven't been, but because of who Jesus is. God does not desire for us to live forever in the doubt of Good Friday. God desires to bring us into the Easter joy of resurrection, knowing and believing as best we're able that there is abundant life and forgiveness and resurrection for all people. But God will also wait for us as we ponder and contemplate and struggle and doubt. As we push or run away, God will wait. In the Jewish tradition, The new day begins at sunset, and so if you notice in our gospel, as the new day begins in our gospel reading, the frightened brothers are huddled behind locked doors. May we help them out a little bit and unlock that door for them and let them go out into the world as they are, fearful, doubtful, but redeemed. And may we rejoice that Thomas, our twin, has a place in this Easter story that doubt and fear are here too, together with life and joy. That as the human heart swells and panics and races to try to make sense of these things called Easter, we know that God waits and loves and will not abandon. That God has all the time in the world that on this new day, God creates a brand new thing 
a continued creation where the doubting one encounters his twin brother and twin sister in us. Maybe when we let Thomas, our twin, off the hook, we might also let ourselves off the hook and dare to believe that somehow in this extraordinary and confusing Easter story, there is a place for us. Jesus has come down from the cross. It's time to let Thomas come down from the cross. And it's time for us as well. Jesus bears scars in the Easter story. We too carry our own scars into the Easter future. We might be scarred by our doubts, but they don't define us. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead for us and for this world, that is what defines us. So today, we rename Thomas. Doubting Thomas becomes Brother Thomas, Twin Thomas, as we discover in him our long-lost twin. And Jesus, resurrected Lord of both the believing and the unbelieving, maybe you are one like Thomas who says, I want to believe, but I just can't. Not yet. Rejoice and be glad, for Easter is for you too. Amen.